Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We're going to be in Romans chapter 11 this morning. We're continuing our study through uh, the book of Romans. And we're nearing the end as as we kind of begin to wind down Paul's letter here. But as, as we've mentioned each week as we've been studying through this, the book of Romans has a really, really nice flow to it. And as we get into chapter 11... There are some callbacks, if you will, to earlier parts of the letter as he goes through here, as he continues to deal with some of the challenges that the Jews are facing with the gospel now being made available to all. And he's going to continue in that vein as he goes uh, throughout this chapter. So, Jeremy, as we get into to chapter 11 here, uh, maybe just for, uh, for recap's sake, where did Paul leave off at the end of chapter 10? And then where is he headed here as he begins chapter 11? Well, good morning. You made mention, and rightly so, still speaking primarily to the Jews, even though he will switch towards the end of this chapter, the middle part of this chapter, mm-hmm. the Gentiles and have some things specifically for them. But uh, this really is the end of the kind of Jewish section here. In a lot of ways, chapters 9, 10, and 11 have been really angled uh, towards the Jewish Christians. Now, there's been a lot of application, a lot that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks for all of us in this section. Mm-hmm. But as this letter is addressed, he really is addressing the Jewish Christians in a lot of ways. Some thoughts that they may have had, some some questions, some concerns that they would have been feeling because of some of the other things he's talked about, and he kind of gets down to it in, in here in chapter 11. The end of chapter 10, in a lot of ways, doesn't paint the the Jews real well. It is, it's, it's as if they've just rejected everything that mm-hmm. God has been there for them and has given them, Jesus specifically, and now when he gets kind of into chapter 11, he'll kind of pick up there a little bit and talk about those who have rejected, yes, mm-hmm. but that's not been everybody. And then he'll kind of bring the Gentiles into the picture, uh, if you will, when you get towards the middle part of this chapter. I think it's really interesting. It, he almost has this, there's this circular process that goes on with the, the Jews throughout the book of Romans where he builds them up. And then their egos get a little too big, and he has to knock them down a little bit. But then they get really down, and then he has to build them back up a little bit. And then it's just this circular process that continues on throughout the book of Romans. And the same thing is happening here a little bit uh, in, in chapter 11, because he starts out with this rhetorical question. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. So to your point, the chapter 10 painted them in a little bit of a negative light. And so you can almost imagine they're getting real down about themselves now. And oh no, and, and he has to kind of say, hold on just a second. Let, let's, let's not get too far into the extremes here. Let's look at this from God's perspective. Has he cast his people away? No, that's not what has happened at all. Now we're going to talk about how that has worked here. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham. So Paul's putting himself in their position. Like, hey, let's, let's remember, I'm an Israelite too. And you can go back to Acts and see Paul was raised by some of the most well-known Pharisees in the region. I mean, this is a, a man who is very proud of his Jewish heritage. And he almost has to remind them of that. Hey, I'm in the same boat you are here. I, I'm a Jew just like you are. And so he, as he begins this section of Romans 11, I find it interesting just how he can 
continues to have to deal with the, the swing and emotion of the Jewish people as he writes this, this letter to the Christians there in Rome. You know, and we've talked about it. I think in a lot of ways, it's, I think it's still a challenge for us as we're sitting here, you know, in 2019, to really grab a full understanding of what a Jewish Christian mm-hmm. at this time would be dealing with, the emotion involved from their heritage, from their culture, from generations after generation after generation after generation being uh, there as God's people to now as Christ has come on the scene and, and things are very different to how they would have had to deal with that. And, and it's almost as if Paul is dealing with that fragile mm-hmm. kind of mindset and it is interesting that, you know, he puts that question into, you know, as God casts away his people, and it's like Paul is kind of standing there doing jumping jacks, you know, waving his arms. And that, that's not the case. Here I am. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in the same boat that you are. I'm an Israelite. I'm from, uh, I'm from Abraham. I'm, here's the tribe that I'm from. Mm-hmm. I'm, in, I'm in the same place. But we know they have a fragile mindset because of the illustration that he uses in 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. I mean, where he goes to, he, he goes to... You know, a story in the Old Testament that is the poster, the poster child of a fragile mindset mm-hmm. of someone almost feeling sorry for themselves, of someone feeling useless or someone feeling all alone as if, you know, everything's just been thrown away. And, you know, he goes specifically to that. And so I think that helps us to understand, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're in a fragile place because as he brings up Elijah in the story that's involved here, there's no question that Elijah was in a very fragile spot at that time. And God had to work his way help him work through it. And that's what Paul is doing for these brethren. He's helping them to work through it just like God did for Elijah back in the Old Testament. And it's it's interesting, not only does he use Elijah there, but then in all, also in verse number five, he makes reference back to a promise that the people of Israel would be very familiar with, the promise of a remnant. That's something that dates all the way back, I mean, far into the Old Testament times. People, The people of Israel would be very aware of the promises that were made throughout the prophets that God will preserve a remnant of his people. And so he's calling back not only to Elijah as a specific example, but also to the promise that God made to make the point, as he says in verse number five, that that remnant is now according to the election of grace. So he's making the point here that, again, the the remnant promise that has been made by God is still in effect, but that remnant is no longer tied to the bloodline of Israel. That remnant right. is now tied directly to the election of grace. And Paul's hammered on that point several times throughout the book of Romans. But I think here, I mean, this is these are two of my favorite verses, probably in the entire book, verses 5 and 6, because he really makes the point that the remnant that has been promised throughout history still remains, but now it's through grace. And that, that then opens the door to the Gentile people while still remaining true to the promise that God made to the Israelites throughout history. And so this is one of those passages, I think, that really ties the two together and helps them see that the promise God made to Israel still stands. Right, right. But now he's bringing in the Gentiles, and he's going to use imagery later on in this chapter about grafting them in. But I think even up here he's beginning to lay the framework for that analogy 
that it's through this promise of the remnant that now both nations, all people are being joined together through grace, and that promise is being fulfilled through grace. And it's a change of mindset for the Israelite people, but it's not a change in the promise that God made. That promise remains true today, just as it did back in those days, but now it's through grace as opposed to the works and the law that they had been familiar with. It's almost as if he's reminding here to the Jews, especially those who are Christians, those who have have put on Christ, and to get them to understand that this isn't a, a life of of alone. It's not a life mm-hmm. of loneliness. It's not a life that, you know, you've turned your back on everything that mm-hmm. that God had put in place with the with the relationship he had with the Jews. It's not turning your back on any of that. As you've just said, it's a part of what God had in store for the from mm-hmm. the Jews from the very beginning. The promise that was made even all the way back to Abraham is 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 still in place. Yeah. So there's no there's no question about that. And, and to understand that this chapter, especially when we get towards the middle section of it, it, it is a chapter about inclusivity. I mean, it's a it's a passage about. Listen, there's lots of people involved in this, and we should be encouraged by that mm-hmm. idea. And that's what God was doing for Elijah when he had that incredible victory on Mount Carmel. And you would think, man, he's got to be riding high, but he gets away from that, and he he kind of you know feels sorry for himself, and he does so by by saying, listen, I'm I'm the only one who loves mm-hmm. God. I'm the only one. Uh, there's uh, in the, all of the. <laughs> I mean, it almost goes back to Noah when Noah was the only right. one. You know, Elijah just like me and Noah. That's it. I'm the only one. But God reminds them that that's not the case at all. Thousands of people that there have been who's not, you know, bowed a knee to the Baals. And and that's what that's what's happening for the Jewish people right here. But the difference is for Elijah, that was a lot of people Jewish people mm-hmm. along with them. Mm-hmm. Here the point that Paul is going to make, there's some Jewish people involved in that that there's in that remnant, but also the Gentiles are involved in that as well. Now, everyone is being put together. And, you know, you've made mention to it, and we'll get to it here in just a minute. It's an incredible illustration uh, of a tree and being grafted in and the root system and the branches and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. It's really an incredible illustration that I don't think we talk about very often. Yeah. It's almost obscure in the illustration that yeah, that's used, but it really is a powerful piece meant to lift up I think these mm-hmm. Jewish Christians here. Yeah, I think when we talk about when we talk about grace and we talk about being unified under Christ, I think the the danger that the Jews may have felt is that the Gentiles were down here. I know this is radio, so somebody's going to be able to see me. The Gentiles were down here, the Jews were up here. And God's knocking the Jews down to the Gentiles' level. But that's not at all what's happening. What he's doing is he's elevating the Gentiles right. up. He's raising everyone up to be on the same playing field. And, and Paul wants them to feel that. He wants them to see that, that this is good news for you. It's good news for the Gentiles. It's good news for the world. The, the, the opportunity to be one under grace should elevate everyone. And that's what he's, I think that's what he's trying to get at here when he's trying Trying to hammer home the point that listen, this election is through grace. It's not works. In fact, if it were through works, it wouldn't be grace to begin with, and then we'd all be in trouble. You know, Jews, how how well have you been doing at keeping the law? Right. Right. If that's if that's where if that's where your uh, election was tied to, then you'd be in big trouble right now, and the Gentiles would have no hope at all. 
But because that this is now tied to grace, everyone can be unified and lifted up in Christ. And so I think he's trying, and he's done that throughout the book here. He's tried to show how good this is for everyone. Jews, you're not losing your place as God's people and getting knocked down to the level of the Gentiles. Everyone is being elevated in Christ. That's what he wants them to see. And so if they're able to see that then they're not going to look back to a grander time, so to speak, when they were the chosen people of God and they had the law. Now they're going to look at what they have in Christ and see the great benefits and the joys that can be found there and recognize how much better that system is than the one that they previously had. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, especially how chapter 10 kind of makes its way into chapter 11. At the the very end of chapter 10, I mean, the very last verse that you have, that kind of leads us to where we were there in chapter 11. I mean, sometimes it's hard for us to, you know, remember when, you know, this was put together, you know, these these chapter breaks and all of these things are, are placed mm-hmm. in, you know, by publishers that are placed in afterwards, that this letter would have flowed from one sentence the, to the next. And at the very last verse that we have in chapter 10 is a is a quote from the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, where it says that, you know, all day long I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And and that paints them in a pretty dark place. Mm -hmm. But what chapter 11 is going to bring to us is that because of that kind of unspectacular kind of way that the Israelites went with their relationship to God, but based off of that, something spectacular was able to take place, mm-hmm. and that's the Gentiles now are able to be to brought into the, be able to be brought into the fold. And and Paul is trying to get the Jews to understand this is a great thing. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing that this has taken place. It's a part of the plan that God has set set in store. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Rejoice in the fact that you're under grace. Mm-hmm. Rejoice in the fact that uh, salvation has come in this way. Rejoice Rejoice in the fact of what Christ has done and rejoice in the fact that the Gentiles are involved in it, Mm -hmm. that all of these things are spectacular things that God has done. And I think that really is, I mean, you want to talk about really jumping ahead. I think that really is how we get to the last three or four verses of this of this chapter that really closes out this entire thought that you have in chapters 9, 10, and 11 with just a flat-out incredible praise of God and what He's all about because of these things that are all tied together. Yeah, and I love verse number 11 where he, he begins, I think, uh, in the vein of what you just said. He looks at the the salvation that has come to the Gentiles— and I think what he's pointing out here is that that should be a motivating factor for for the Jews to see, wow, look at the joy that they have and the salvation they have in grace through Christ. That That's what I want. And I think that when I, when I read that, that was something that kind of struck me as I, as I read it as just a point of application for myself, is that I, we need to be people as Christians who emanate joy right. because of what we have in Christ. And if we do that then what's going to happen is that, verse number 11, it's going to provoke provoke others to jealousy, to see what we have, to see the relationship that we have with Christ, the salvation that we have through Him, the joys that are found in Him, and other people are going to want that. And it's going to, we're going to be like a magnet to draw people to Christ. And I think that's one of the things that Paul is looking at here and, and looking to the Jews and saying, that's how you should feel towards the Gentiles. Not that there's some gulf separating you and that this is driving a wedge between you guys, 
but you should see the joy that has come to them because of the salvation that's been offered to the world, and you should want that same thing. And I think there's, there's a lot of application for us today. We need to be the kind of people that others see the joy that we have in Christ and the way that we live our lives, and that's going to be something that pulls other people towards that. They're going to want to see what's going on over there. What, Where is this source of joy that this person has in their life? Where's that coming from? And that gives us an opportunity to introduce them to Christ. So I think, I think Paul's helping the Jews maybe wade through some of these waters by pointing to the joy that the Gentiles have in Christ and saying, that should be a, a magnet to use. You should be drawn into what they have and see the great benefits that, that that can be had there yeah and then it's really interesting there and in that you know kind of 11 12 and 13 uh, verse you know here in this chapter where he, he, he kind of switches gears for a little bit and you're exactly right he's pointing to the to the joy that should come and that the Jewish Christians should be looking to that and and and, and living in that and wanting that as well but then he, he kind of switches gears to the Gentiles here, and he, he almost kind of, you know, and you need to pump the brakes mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, kind of situation. <laughs> but, you know, I do want to make mention, you know, I'll, verse 13 is really interesting as it parallels verse 1, because I think it really gives us a strong understanding about just how powerful of a teacher the Apostle Paul was. Where you know we we have other ver- we have verses at the New Testament where he makes the point. Listen, I I can be w- w- all things to all people. I, I can be whatever it takes to get the gospel out there. Mm-hmm. And, and you see that you know you have the Apostle Paul in verse one saying, "Listen, I, I can speak to you, and I have authority to talk about these things to the Jewish folks because that's what I am." Mm-hmm. And he points to himself here. I'm I'm in the same place that you are. But yeah, when he gets down to verse 13, and now he kind of switched gears, and he says, listen, now I'm speaking to the Gentiles, mm-hmm. but I've got authority to do that mm-hmm. as well, because I've been called by God to speak directly to you. And it really makes for a unique perspective from Paul that he, he really has the attention of both groups, mm-hmm. that he's able to speak to the Jews in the way that he does, that he's able to speak to the Gentiles in the way that he does here in the next few verses. And that everyone is on board to listen. And I think even the application, you know, for us uh, of being, you know, a part of, of being a part of our community or being a part of the people that we're around so that we're in a position that they're going to they're going to listen mm-hmm. because they're going to listen to me because they know who I am. They're going to listen to me because they they see what I'm all about. That's exactly what Paul is mm-hmm. doing here. You know who I am. You see what I'm about to the Jews and even to the Gentiles. You know who I am. You see what I'm about. And I think there is a good application for us because he does so with incredible authority to both groups mm-hmm. and i just think at this time that wasn't that wasn't happening i right. mean nobody was doing it the way that he was but i think certainly there's application there for us for sure yeah there is and not only because with paul as you mentioned he had the the physical traits that right. allowed him to do both he had the jewish bloodline but he was also a roman citizen and he used that to his advantage when necessary you can read about that in acts and so he had the connection to both worlds there, so to speak. But I think, to your point, it wasn't just the physical traits that Paul possessed that allowed him to do that, but it was because he was called by God right. to do that. And I think, fast-forwarding to our day and time, where the bloodline may not be as big of a thing as it was back then, but there are definite uh, factors that separate us as a society today in a lot of different ways. And sometimes it can be a challenge to reach out to different sectors of society where there may not be connection points between us and other people. 
But the truth is that we can all be unified by the gospel. We can all be saved by grace through faith. That those types of things unify us and can bring us all together in the same way that Paul's trying to do, do here with the Jews and the Gentiles. He had the physical traits that allowed him to do that, but at the end of the day, the only thing that was truly going to unify these people was the gospel. Right. And the same is true for us today. You know, We may have some physical traits that allow us to reach out to different sectors of society, but at the end of the day, if we're ever going to be united, if we're ever going to be one, it's going to be through the gospel. And that's the only way that we're ever going to be unified. And I think this is a great example of how that's intended to work, how God wants us to, to come to know Christ together, all under one roof. He doesn't want us separated from each other. He wants us to find the unity in the gospel that these Christians in the first century were looking for. Yeah, and that's, you know, now as he turns his attention to the Gentiles, he, he wants the Jews to understand that. But he also wants the Gentiles to understand that. Mm-hmm. You know, we've both made mention already about the, you know, the illustration that he's going to use here. And, you know, as we dig into it a little bit, you know, it's interesting in lots of places throughout the New Testament, you know, there is there's very specific teaching uh, about the, the simple fact is no, no matter how incredible and even the amount of grace that that Jesus has there's still a position that that man is in where we can turn our back on it mm-hmm. and to say, I'm, I'm just not interested in it, mm-hmm. or I appreciate all that you've done for me. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do live in a religious culture where there, there's lots of folks who just, they teach the opposite of that, that you, you can't turn your back on that. It's so incredible and God's love is so immense. It doesn't make a difference what I do or what I say. It's going to cover me up no matter what. And there's lots of place in the New Testament and, and God's word that just, it just doesn't teach that in any way. And as I was reading through through this section again this morning, I mean, it's almost an obscure place because there are other passages we will use more often, but really a, a powerful picture here that he talks to the Gentiles and he, he gets them to understand. Now, listen, don't, don't feel too good about yourselves here. Mm-hmm. You're in a great place, but don't get haughty about that because as quickly as some of the Jews were, were cut off and cast aside, that can absolutely happen to you as well. And he paints that picture, and I think it should get all of us pause to make sure that we're a part of uh, of Christ in every way. And if we don't want to be a part of that, or if we do something that is against what Christ is about, we can just as easily be cut off and cast away, just as the Jews were that we read about in chapter 10, and certainly just as the Gentiles can be, as Paul makes mention of it here in chapter 11. You're absolutely right. He, he uses this example where he's talking about how, how we need to gain our nourishment from the root, and the root is holy. And so if we're gaining our nourishment from the root that is holy, then we also are going to be holy. But to your point, and I think this is where this application really hits home, is if, if we stop and think about that in our lives, where are we getting most of our nourishment from? If it's not from the gospel, if it's not from the source, then to your point, uh, there will come a time in which we're going to be cut off because we're not gaining that nourishment from the true source. And, and the, the Jews and the Gentiles were having to come to terms with that now that they're understanding that, that salvation is through grace and that Christ is the unifier that brings salvation to all men, 
Are we going to gain our nourishment and our strength from that source? Are we going to continue to reach back to the old law? Are we going to continue to reach back to our Jewish heritage? Or the Gentiles, are we going to continue to reach back into the world? Or are we going to submit ourselves to the true source of strength and encouragement, the gospel? And that, that's a question that all of us have to answer today is where are we going to get that nourishment from? Because if it's not going to come from the source, if it's not going to come from the gospel, then to your point, we're going to be cut off. Right. And, and there, are, there are examples throughout Scripture where that happens. And Paul is talking about some of them right here. Hey, Jews, if you're going to continue to fall back on the old law... Uh, you're not gonna, we're not going to have God's not going to have a choice. He's going to have to cut you off. Right. But as long as you're gaining your source, your strength from the source, from the root that is holy, that's when we can all be unified. That's when the Jews and the Gentiles can all be grafted in as one, and we can all grow together and live together and and thrive together. And that's really what God wants for His people. You know, as much as this is an uplifting passage for the Gentiles of of letting them know that listen, because of the Jews and because of their hardened hearts that they were cut off, that you've now been grafted in, and that that is an incredible thing and something that they should be super excited about. But as much as this is an uplifting kind of passage, it also serves as an incredible warning mm-hmm. to them. I mean, you, you have the two verses that kind of stick out to me, verses 20 and 21 of chapter 11, where it said, you know, because of unbelief, they were broken off. That's talking about, mm-hmm. you know, the Jews and their hardened hearts who were, who were cut off. Because of their unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. But do not be haughty, but fear. Then verse 21, For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. And so the point is being made. What he has done to the Jews with because of their unbelief, who he had that covenant relationship with for generations... You don't think he's gonna? You don't think he'd do the same to you, who who haven't, who doesn't have the past, even uh, the you know the, the the past that he has with those. If you don't think, if you don't think that's possible to you, uh, it's it's certainly it is a listen. Take heed lest you fall. Scenario mm-hmm. here. You don't need to be haughty about that. You need to be fearful about that to make sure you don't fall certainly into the same place. And that in every way is application for us because that that verse is to me and you. It's to everyone who's listening. Just as easy as all of the others that we can see have been cut off, so can I. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to make, we've got to make sure that that certainly isn't going to happen and stay rooted, you know, to the root that's given to us right here. You'd like to think that as they were reading this, that their response would have just have been overwhelming gratitude mm-hmm. yeah. as you read something like this. And that, that really ultimately, as you pointed out, should be our response. Right. It's just overwhelming gratitude that, that God has seen fit to provide a way for us to be one with him and for him to support us. That the the phrasing used there. That that there should be just an overwhelming sense of gratitude that floods us when we when we read something like this and come to terms with the fact that it's only through grace that this is made available to me. That there's nothing that I can do in and of myself to make myself a part of this tree in the illustration. Only God can graft us in. Only he can make us one with him. 
And there should just be such a, a thankfulness that comes with an understanding like that. And hopefully that's what happens with, with the Jews and the Gentiles as they were reading this. Hopefully that's what happens with us today. If, we're, if you're a Christian and you read this, you should just stop and thank God for the, for the grace that's been extended to us and the hope that we have through him. Because without that, we're, we're lost. Without that, we're, we're hopeless. We, and so we have to, I think every time we read this, no matter how often we read this, hopefully that sense of gratitude follows. We just take a moment and thank God for what he's done for us and giving us this opportunity. Yeah, and that's really where this chapter works itself to, you know, towards the end. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the end of that section that we've spent the last couple of weeks in chapters 9, 10, and 11. Really kind of comes to an end here in, in chapter 11. And, you know, the point is made that, you know, for the Jews, you, you've been a part of God's plan. And you, you, you should you should be grateful for that. You've been a part of the plan that God has in motion, and that plan was to save the Jews, certainly. Mm-hmm. But that plan wasn't just that. The plan was to save everybody. Yeah. And, and for the Jewish people, they've got to understand they were a big part of that, yeah. and, and they've got to they've got to feel certainly uh, you know feel great about that. And that's you know where he gets down to verse thirty two before kind of the closing comes that he says God has committed them all to disobedience that He might have mercy on all mm-hmm. the Jewish people and and where they went and even them turning from God and they're just being a remnant left. All was a part of the plan yeah. of God. All worked out perfectly so that there can be a play a plan in place so that everybody can have mercy everybody can have the grace and so as the 33 through 36 it ends with just a flat out praise to god for his goodness for his knowledge for his wisdom and for the understanding that everything works through him. And it really just is an incredible close, certainly to this section and, and certainly to this chapter as well. Yeah, absolutely. We'll go ahead and, and stop there as our time is running out. Uh, hopefully this has been a good study for you and hopefully maybe has piqued your curiosity to continue your study uh, throughout Romans. So thank you for taking some time to do that with us this morning. Just real quickly before we close, uh, we want to extend an invitation to anyone that, that may be listening to come and worship with us. Uh, we meet on the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. We have Bible classes for all ages on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., followed by worship at 10 a.m., and then again at 6 p.m. Sunday evening. We also have a midweek Bible study on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. You're welcome to come to any and all of those that, that you're able to. Uh, we also live stream our services at traderspointchurch.org. We will link that to our Facebook page as well. So if you can't get out but want to follow along with our services, uh, you can take advantage of that. And then as I mentioned earlier, uh, if you're interested in either this program or programs past, those are all available on our podcast, on Apple Podcasts. If you search for Truth Talk or Traders Point Church of Christ, you can find that. We would love for you to subscribe to that and follow along with us as we continue our studies. So thank you again for your time this morning, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.